G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Pastor Greg Laurie points out, believers need to disciple those who are new to the faith. We need to show them the way. New believers need an example. They need to see what a Christian looks like. They need to see a Christian like you. They need to see how a Christian drives. They need to see what it looks like to go to church with Christians and and what you do and how you do it. They need to see uh, what a single Christian looks like. You see, some things are taught and some things are caught. This is the day when the lost are found This is the day for a new beginning Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Again you hear all the angels are singing This is the day, the day when life begins Ever been lost in a supermarket and felt like you've been walking forever? When finally you spot an employee and ask them where to find what you're looking for and just hope that it's not all the way on the other side of the store. Then out of nowhere, they say the words, come on, I'll take you there. Ah, relief. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie explains that new believers need that kind of assistance. We need to show them the way. It's personal, helpful, it's called discipleship, and that's our topic today. When the first cell phone came out, everybody knew it was going to be a game changer. I don't think anyone knew how much. When this technology first emerged, uh, the phones got smaller and smaller. But then Steve Jobs came along with a new paradigm, a new concept. What we now know is the iPhone. Now we have the Android phones and all the others that are like that. But basically, he introduced to us a computer in your pocket. It was far more than a phone. He introduced the app. The app did not uh, exist prior to that. So now we have apps and we have social media. These things did not pre-exist before. And this is having an interesting effect on our country and it's not good. In fact, uh, there's a professor of psychology at San Diego State University. Her name is Jean Twenge. And she's written a book uh, called iGen. It's a name she came up with for people born between 1995 and 2012. iGen. She says, quote, members of this generation are safer than those that came before them. They drink less, they learn to drive later, and they hold off having sex. So we're saying, well, that's probably a good thing, right? Well, not so much, she says, but psychologically they're far more vulnerable. She says it's not an exaggeration to describe iGen as being on the brink of the worst mental health crisis in decades. And she says it's largely due to smartphones. She says because today's teens are spending less time with friends, they have far higher rates of depression and suicide. She says, quote, look at the patterns of loneliness. It suddenly begins to increase around 2012. That's where the majority of Americans got a cell phone, end quote. Interesting trend, isn't it? 
And you see how people are disconnecting from real life and living in a virtual world, in a digital world, actually thinking those people on your Facebook page are really your friends. But I think it gets down to what people really want in life. People want to be loved. People want to be needed. And people want to be appreciated. They want to feel that someone values them and cares about them. And many try to do it through digital connection. But listen, this is where the church comes in. This is what we are here to do. To give them what they're really longing for. And more to the point, this is where discipleship comes in. You know, when I first became a Christian, I really didn't fully understand what I'd done. I went forward at a little Bible study in my high school campus, as I've told you many times, and I prayed this little prayer. I didn't know what was ahead of me. I didn't know what was gonna happen to me, but I, I believed what I heard. And not long after that, a guy comes up to me that I don't know from Adam's house cat. Did you know Adam had a house cat? <laughs> I don't know if he did or not, probably not. But he says, hi, my name is Mark, and I saw that you went forward and prayed to accept Jesus the other day. I was kind of like resentful, like, yeah, so, and no, but hey, I want to help you. I want to take you to church. I'm like, no, that's okay. I don't want to go to church. No, no, I really want to take you to church. And finally I said, okay. But he didn't just take me to church. He introduced me to other Christians. He had me over at his house for dinner with his mom and his dad. We're just kids at this point. I'm talking to Christians. I'm asking questions. No question was too ridiculous to ask. Here's what Mark was doing. He was discipling me. And if he had not done that, I fear I would have fallen through the cracks. And what Mark did for me, we need to do for others because that's what the Great Commission is. Again, it's to go into all the world and preach the gospel and then make disciples of all nations. Listen, if you're following Jesus as a real disciple, you will be leading others to Christ. Let me reverse that. If you're not leading others to Christ, are you really following Him as you ought to as a disciple? Sometimes you sow a seed. Sometimes you water a seed. Sometimes you reap where others have sown and watered. Don't ever try to harvest a seed that's not ready to be harvested. But don't miss the opportunity to harvest when it's harvest time. As the great theologian Kenny Rogers once said, <laughs> you need to know when to fold them, know when to hold them, know when to walk away, right? And so the idea is you need to pray for wisdom. Okay, this is seed sowing time. This is just being a witness. Okay, this is a time to try to close the deal. Here's our commission. Again, Matthew 28, verse 16. Go therefore, says Jesus, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given to you, and lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. So here's our job. Here's discipleship simplified. I've told you what a disciple is. Now let me tell you what a disciple does or what it means to make disciples of others. Our objective is to go lead others to Christ, establish them spiritually, and do it again and again and again. Basically it's wash, rinse, repeat. Evangelize, disciple, stabilize, repeat. Do it over and over again. But somewhere along the line, we've sort of separated evangelism from discipleship. And they're one and the same. 
We're not just called to invite people to Christ, but then we need to take these new believers under our wing and help them get up on their feet spiritually. It'd be like delivering a baby in a hospital and then just giving the little baby some pampers and say, okay, buddy, God bless you. (laughs) Tough world out there, but uh, good luck. Goodbye. Go. No, little babies need to be nurtured and, and loved. The new believers need to be nurtured and loved as well. It's great to have you with us today for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the US. Today, Pastor Greg is presenting a message called Just Do It. It's the final study in his series, Discipleship, The Road Less Taken. Let's continue. read about an interesting study conducted by a large hospital where they discovered something. They noticed that the babies that were near the door were healthier and stronger than the other babies. And they wondered why. So after careful study, they noticed that the nurses were more prone to give attention to the babies near the door as they went about their duties. They would pick them up and hug them and speak to them. So they thought this is what the children need. Just a little baby can tell when they're being loved, when they're being embraced, or when they're being cared for. And the new believers need the same thing from all of us. Here's a few things a new believer needs. Number one, they need assurance. They need assurance. They need to be reassured that God loves them and God has forgiven them and that their name is written in the book of life. One passage everyone should commit to memory is 1 John 5.13 where John writes, I write these things to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Reassure a believer of that because remember in the Garden of Eden Satan attacked Adam and Eve. You remember how he attacked? He said to them, Did God say what you really thought God said? And he'll do that in the life of a new believer. And for that matter, older believers sometimes too, right? Are you really saved? Do you think Christ has really forgiven you? It's not based on how I feel. It's based on what God has done. New believers need assurance. Number two, new believers need protection. They need protection. When you're holding a a little baby, you have to hold them carefully and hold them in the proper way and support them and and anything that could harm them. You you put yourself in the way of that thing and new believers need protection as well. Uh, Galatians 4.19 says, My dear children, I feel as though I'm going through labor pains for you again and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your life. New believers are vulnerable to their emotions as well as being vulnerable to false teaching. Old friends will try to drag them down. Old girlfriends and old boyfriends will materialize out of nowhere. Temptations will come that maybe they've never experienced before, right? You remember that yourself. So they need to be protected. And just as in the parable of the sower, Jesus talked about the seed sown on the roadside, eaten by the birds, and he said, These are they that hear the word of God, but Satan comes immediately and snatches it away. The new believer doesn't know what's happening, but we do. So we need to help them. And number three, they need food. They need food. You know, when a baby cries, it's usually because of two reasons. Number one, they need their diaper changed. Number two, they're hungry. By the way, those are the same reasons I cry. (laughs) So Kathy always has a sandwich and some Depends nearby. No, that's a joke. It's not true, I don't wear the pants. Well, how did I get off on that? That's just. <laughs> but as I've said before, you know, 
Healthy people are hungry people. So when you're a new believer, you're hungry for the Word of God. Can you remember the first time you read the Bible as a new Christian? Now if you were raised in the church, it was familiar, but perhaps it came alive to you. But if you were more like me and you weren't raised in the church and you started hearing these things for the first time, I'm just a kid, 17 years old, and I'm reading these things in the Bible that relate to me as a 17-year-old, and I still relate to them as a 40-year-old with added years. And so it's relevant to you in your youth. It's relevant to you in your middle age. It's relevant to you in your old age. Number four, new believers need an example. They need to see what a Christian looks like. You see, some things are taught and some things are caught. Does that make sense? There's only so many things I can say from a platform teaching. They need to see a Christian like you. They need to see how a Christian drives. <laughs> they need to see what a Christian married couple looks like. They need to see what it looks like to go to church with Christians and, and what you do and how you do it. They need to see uh, what a single Christian looks like. They need to know what, do you go to movies and what movies do you go to? They observe these things. As Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.10, there is no 3.10, 3.10. He says to Timothy, you've observed my teaching, listen, my conduct, my aim in life and my faith. So it's not just my teaching, it's my conduct, it's my aim in life, it's my faith. You've seen an example. And let's be honest now. Here's one of the reasons we don't want new believers in our life. We don't want to change our behavior. See, because if I take a new believer with me to church and we go to lunch after and they're with me, I can't gossip. <laughs> if I have a new believer with me, I'll probably drive the speed limit and I'll probably talk about the message and do things a Christian ought to do already. Maybe we don't want that added pressure in our life. But we're missing out not only on helping them, but on helping ourselves. You see, here's the thing. There can come a point in our life where we can actually be guilty of overeating. Let me explain. I like Thanksgiving. We sit around our tables we have prayer, we eat a wonderful meal, and we all go into a collective coma for two hours, right? Because <laughs> all that tryptophan and the turkey. We just, and then we wake up and we stumble to the refrigerator and reheat some more, right? So, but you know, I love Thanksgiving, but the last thing I want to do after I eat a big meal is go exercise. Here's the thing. We can be in the church and we're having the finest meals. We're studying the Bible together. And obviously I want you to do that. And we should do that as disciples. And we're worshiping together. And we're learning together. And that's all great. But if I don't have an outlet for what I'm taking in, that can be really problematic. I must give out what God has given to me or I can actually reach a state of stagnation. Kind of a spiritual obesity. It's called being sedentary. You know you need exercise when your dog is fat, right? <laughs> And maybe that's because you push him around in a stroller. And I have a word from the Lord. I have a word from the Lord for you that push dogs in strollers. Stop. <laughs> Exercise. That's not a word from the Lord. That's just me. But <laughs> fact is, if the TV and fridge were not so far apart, we wouldn't get any exercise. 
But here's the point. We need to be giving out what God has given. This is a biblical principle. Jesus says in Luke 6, 38, Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaking together, running over, and poured into your lap. And the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Pastor Greg Laurie pointing out God's plan for discipleship. It's encouraging and caring for those who are newborn in the Lord. And there's more to come in this message here on A New Beginning. On Monday, join Pastor Greg as he concludes this series called Discipleship, The Road Less Taken. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called Just Do It. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.